You're listening to another episode of The Zag. It's a live one. I'm in the middle of Venice. There's rushing water. There's beautiful trees and flowers. It's going to be a hippie one. Because Kelly's here. Kelly Tsujima is here from 2016. She's back from her adventure internationally. So we hear all about that. Excited to have her on. Let's get to it. All right, Kelly. How are you? Oh, that was awesome. I'm good. So how long have you been back? A couple months. I came back in November, so it's been a while. And we'll kind of work backwards. So you, I saw you when you came over for the going away party. It was mm-hmm. what, July-ish? August? End of August. End of August. Yeah. And you were going on a big adventure. Why were you yeah. going international to go on a big adventure? I had this desire that was kind of growing inside of me. Um, I knew I wanted to get out of the U.S. I think, like, I was kind of... You know, as activists, we are struggling with, you know, the problems in our country. Um, like, how, how are we um, resisting everything that's happening more and more and more? It's, it's just, you know, every day. Um, it's like this constant attack of, like, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. And we're, we're constantly on the defense. We're, we're, we're really good at saying what we don't want, you know. But, you know, what are we building? What's the more beautiful world that our heart's desire, um, and how do we act from that place in our everyday lives? How are we building that with each other? Um, so I felt like for me, it was kind of important to get out of the U.S., to go somewhere that wasn't, you know, at the heart of this, this war economy, this American empire, um, and, and see how people lived, you know, and just kind of deeply immerse myself in that, um, to kind of understand like what else is out there and and just see possibilities so that's that's why i went okay and a couple of rapid fire questions here so did you book a one-way ticket no i didn't i knew i had to come back mid-november <laughs> because my friends were getting married to each other so i knew that the trip would only be two months but Got within it. that time frame i pretty much left it open-ended um, and how many pieces of luggage did you take? I took my backpack. Okay. It's a 40 yeah. uh, liter pack and then um, like a smaller day pack. What was in the backpack? Clothes and... Oh, my pieces I like pretty much just wore this one pair of sandals <laughs> like every day for two months. Okay. And I had running shoes. Nice. Um, and I had like a poncho and... One of those nifty, like, quick-dry um, towels is really good. All right. And... Hand sanitizer and some toothpaste, and you were good. Yeah, I, I had toothpaste. I didn't have hand sanitizer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was pretty dirty. And then where'd you, where'd you go first? <laughs> what country? Uh, I went to Thailand. So I was in Thailand for a month, the first month. And I went to um, kind of like the rural northeast I spent two weeks at this place called the Mindfulness Project. And what happens at the Mindfulness Project? A lot happens there. Um, it's kind of this experimental living community in the forest. Oh, People do they know you were coming? You just like show up and knock and there's a secret knock and they let you in? Or how does that work? <laughs> you can sign up on um, like Work Away. It's okay. a volunteer website. Um, so that's how I found it hmm. online. Um, you sign up, you go. It's like $5 a day. And it's... 30 plus people around the world that are just kind of like living intentionally 
um, in a very like natural way. It's like dorm, bunk bed, hostel kind of living quarters. Yeah, or? I mean it's like very basic. It's mm -hmm. all stuff that we have built ourselves. So, um, you know, you start out with like this totally just like dirt and trees. And then from there you decide like, oh, and this is the result of, you know, a couple of years of volunteer work, but like, we need a place to sleep. We need like, like a dorm setup. So you build with, um, you know, natural materials of bamboo, um, like a frame and you put like a tarp over it and people are just like on the floor and their mosquito nets it's really nice. And you kind of, you just grow the community. You, you like build the kitchen, you know, like a yoga studio, um, sala, AKA like dirt floor. What do you have for breakfast? Um, breakfast is different every day. It's kind of yeah. up to whoever wants to cook. We okay. bulk order or we're trying to get to a point where we're growing all of our own food. So we're, we're gardening and everything every day. Um, we order locally bulk, bulk supplies and you have like four people that volunteer every morning to cook breakfast and then lunch. So it's all healthy food, mostly vegan. Um, so then of the 30, it's about 30 people there. Yeah. How many would you say were from the States? Um, there were a couple of us, maybe like three to five. And the rest is pretty evenly distributed from throughout different parts of the world. Yeah. I would say more from like Europe, Australia, South America, and it was interesting. There like weren't as many folks from Asia, even though mm -hmm. we were in Asia. So then, what's um, your what was your short answer when people asked you why you were there? I wanted to, I wanted to um, grow my connection, rediscover my connection to nature, hmm. um, and to other people and to myself. Because okay. the heart of the mindfulness project is is meditation. Um, so every morning. We do about an hour of yoga outside and then we meditate. Um, we're very present in our bodies and, you know, um, and present with our surroundings. And then from there, we just go throughout the day very mindfully. So we're doing talking circles in the evening, sharing our dreams with each other, um, our stories. We're working the land. We're, um, we're gardening. We're building houses with like natural materials mm -hmm. and all of that and, and how often if at all are you able to check in with anybody at home like are you sending your family emails or are you just like oh you're totally unplugged you're out yeah i mean i was fairly unplugged the the local village is like a couple it's like a half a mile away you can walk there for wi-fi if you want um but i maybe i like sent my parents an email like once throughout the two weeks i was there but mm -hmm. it was really nice just to be super unplugged. Yeah. It was kind of like a reset of, of being a human being in a way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So those two weeks end and where'd you go after that? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I was there and then I went to, um, took a bus to Pai, which is this tiny hippie mountain town in the Northwest. Um, and I had a lot of great adventures there. And then I went to a monastery and I stayed a couple days there. What was it like to stay at a monastery? Quiet? Um, a little quiet? Very quiet. You would yeah. hope, yeah. It was it's super kind of old, quiet. old jam. Um, yeah, it's, it, it was cool. I was, I was learning. And you set this up, or again, did you go like just knock on the monastery door? I and literally see? just showed up. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. Yeah, you show up and you can stay as long as you want. How'd you even hear about the monastery being there? From the folks at the Mindfulness Project. Huh. Yeah. So you just roll up? Yeah, you roll up. They give you um, white 
you're supposed to just wear white okay. when you're there. Um, cover your your elbows and your knees. Um, and then the schedule is you wake up in the morning. You're supposed to do like a personal meditation. Um, and you give monk uh, give alms to the monks, and then you do a walking meditation, sitting, lying down meditation. So there's like a very specific schedule, like then you eat lunch and then you do um, karma yoga, you do chores, you meditate some more. So you're meditating like a shit ton throughout this, <laughs> throughout every day. It's like a solid, like maybe eight hours broken up that you're just, you're just meditating. So that was a very intense experience. And it was kind of like taking the deep plunge into, into this world. Um, but being there was was awesome because I was really able to slow down, you know, without any in- external distractions, but just sitting with my mind, understanding, you know, the thoughts that would come in, the feelings um, at this very, like, deep level and practicing being the person that watches those things happen and is aware is not caught up in that um and when you are aware of these these thoughts that you're that you're having and these feelings then you are empowered to let go of them right and to be able to use your mind as a tool not let your mind use you um so i think that's at the heart of this of the spiritual revolution is this practice of of mindfulness when we come back i'll ask more deep probing questions (laughs) to kelly about the spiritual revolution you're listening to the zag stay tuned All right, so by the end of the trip, are you like itching to go home? Are you sad that you have to come back for this wedding? Like, what is the what is the internal state? Yeah, i i was I was pretty bummed. Yeah, I could I could have gone on for a couple more months at least. And how different do you feel by the end? Are you very because you're meditating all the freaking time? So, like, are you super hyper aware that I am a different human being, and people would know that, or I would know that because these different ways about me are manifesting itself? Like, how do you see or feel any change that's happened? Yeah. I did feel a difference, it, but it's even within the trip, once you leave that space of meditation and you go on to your next adventure in the Philippines, whatever, um, even within the trip, it was it was a challenge just to keep myself in that place and to keep practicing the meditation and to keep practicing presence. Um, but I think it was easier there because again, like I was in this totally foreign place. I didn't know anyone. Um, I didn't have any distractions really. So I was able to kind of like build on it. Um, and when I came back, that was like, that was the hard part is, is to bring it all back to here. But because I have that foundation of, you know, what it's like to be super, super, super present, to be fully immersed in nature, living outside, you know, being in community with people, um, it's a place that I can, I can always go back to and I can, I can reference. So for me, that was, it was invaluable. So once you're back, do you have a plan to get a new job? Do you have a plan to reintegrate? Like what, Mm -hmm. since you get off the plane, you say hello to the family, they miss you, you hug it out. What's the, what happens next? Yeah, that was, that was a trippy part. It's just, I didn't have any plans when I came back. Um, but I wasn't tripping about it. 
because because you had meditated had, for the last yeah however many months and what i had learned from everyone that i had met on my travels is that you know things happen as they're meant to and you just have to accept what is and not spend all your time like worrying about about the future and this these things that aren't even real um and kind of follow your intuition so i got back i i was actually thinking about going to nepal for a month to do this like yoga teacher training um i thought that would be really cool but in the meantime i was looking for jobs online um and i had friends that were hitting me up for different positions but nothing really uh vibed with me you know at that at that deep level of alignment and the jobs that i was looking at and you know nonprofit were just they're part of the old story you know the old story of separation of transaction um yeah i didn't it didn't have the vision that that i wanted to to build so i happened to stumble on this posting on idealist um for this position with a with a national nonprofit the, the the initiative was to build local peace economies that's what it said we need a person an organizer and did you know what a peace economy was no i didn't i still don't really know how would you define it now yeah so so the war economy is kind of what i was talking about at the beginning um it is you know white supremacy this capitalism this heteropatriarchy is all these systems of oppression um that are rooted in this sense of separation this like false sense that you know you and i are separate individuals um in this alienating universe of of other and we are all you know trying to maximize our rational self interest competing against each other um for resources and that's kind of the the story that that birthed western civilization in a way like our science our language our economic system our um our politics and and you know that's that that story is what gave birth to the american empire and it's a story that all of us are are deeply immersed in our living um every day through our actions through the institutions that we're in and so does a peace economy is it super socialist does it not have money is it run on bitcoins like what's the <laughs> yeah i mean these are the questions that we're all exploring but what we know is that the peace economy is about interconnectedness okay it says that you and i are are part of each other and we're all part of this planet and you know every every part of the the earth works together to um enhance the whole and if you look at nature that's that's how it works it's like you know the trees the redwood trees they are all you know they're all connected through the system of um of roots and if if a disaster happens then they all cling tight to each other and they they're able to survive that because they're you know they're interconnected um and so seeing ourselves as a part of that ecosystem is our place in nourishing the whole of the earth um and helping nature to thrive and helping each other to thrive and and going beyond competition and saying um you know the strength Our, our strength lies not in our separation from each other, but in the strength of our connections to each other. So it's it's a completely different way of even like mm-hmm. understanding ourselves, right? As as humans. Um, so then, how does this operationalize into a job? 
Yeah, that's what I've been trying to figure out okay. since, since I got hired a couple weeks ago. Because I mean, it, it is your such a best huge, guess so far. Such a huge thing. I mean, my Are you job interacting with companies or people or yeah, schools. Yeah, I think. Well, my job is to help people move from that that old story to the new one, right? And understanding that we have to transform ourselves to transform the world. I think a lot of activists are um, are stuck in like you know this duality and this polarizing of you know them like the bad people the corporations the politicians um the people that are doing bad things and it's our job to fight them and to to stop this from happening and um and kind of like going very very macro but what i want to do is to help people look inside themselves and see, okay, where, where are these aspects of this war economy manifesting inside myself and like the judgments that I have of people, um, and my own tension and stress. And, you know, I mean, it's impossible for us to not have that inside of us because we're living in it. Um, so helping people identify these like habits and ideologies of separation and to, um, and to move past them in their in their everyday and their family and their community and to just transform those into um, into into love basically. So yeah, I mean it's it's not like something that you can you can kind of create this five year plan for like you know it's not it's not a traditional campaign in any way. It's something that you kind of have to feel your way through. Um, I. So I'm not the first person to have this position. There's someone else before me that had it for like a year and a half. So we've been kind of talking about what she had done with the role. What is that person um, doing now? She is... She's not working for like Raytheon or something. <laughs> she's, not, <okay. laughs> she's just got like super hated. Um, no, she's... I think she's... She had to go to Mexico for a while. Because right. like her visa, something with her visa. But she's back and... So you're the you're thing. the trailblazer in this role now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting. Like you... We have like um, the nonprofit that I work for is has a pretty large base nationally. So we have, you know, like 15,000 people that are signed up for like our peace economy um, emails and alerts. And there's local people that are building peace economies um, here in L.A. and throughout the country. So um, what I'm doing right now is just reaching out yeah. to them, seeing what they're Let's they're do doing. one last thing on the plug for that. So how do people mm-hmm. get on get on the peace economy tip? Where, where should they go? Websites oh. or Twitters or Instagrams or what, where can they find out about this work, Kelly? Yeah, they can. Well, they can start by signing up to take the peace, growing a local peace economy pledge. Okay. Um, it's on our website, codepink.org slash peace economy. Okay. We'll put Pretty that sure. in the info. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad you're back. You too. We missed you. Yeah, I missed you too. Glad you're here. And anytime I see a monastery, I'll just go knock and see if I can hang out for a while. That seems to be the takeaway. Because I didn't know you could you even do, do that. You can do that in Thailand. Like, hey, I don't know if you can do out. that here, but... Good deal. Well, glad okay. you're here. Glad you're back. And thanks for listening to this episode of The Zags. This is actually our 30th episode. Very exciting. You can find them all on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Stay tuned for other good NLC happenings in February. And if you haven't signed up for the Headshot Truck on Sunday, February 11th, we've got three or four spots left. It's a great deal. Check your email. It's all there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.